on Sunday, August 28, 2022. Um, I always remember this date because it's the anniversary of Katrina hitting back in 05. But um, and I'm sure I'm sure Matt Framingham's gonna bring some tidal wave type of stuff. But how you doing tonight, man? You know, Josh, I had a nightmare dream last night. Um, I was on a cross country flight, flying coach, and sitting. I was sitting in between uh, Joe Judge and Matt Patricia, and they took all my food. And. Uh, I just woke up and thankfully it was just a dream. Um, other than that, I am surviving and doing okay. Hope you're doing okay. And yeah, I remember Katrina well because. And all this negativity that's in this town sucks. And I've been around, and, and, and when Jim Rice was booed, I've been around with Jasremski booed, and it stinks. It makes the greatest town, greatest city in the world lousy. This is Entitled Town. A big thank you to the WCVB eye-opener dynamic duo of meteorologists, Matt and Framingham and Josh Marion. That Thank you uh, for the audio from the Joshua Marion podcast. Hello, friends. My name is Mike Irons. The Fab Five is here. Uh, I want to start with an earnest question for you, Dan. I, I'm feeling like there's been unprecedented negativity regarding everything that's surrounding the Patriots, in particular, the offense, the play calling. Uh, you know, honestly, what are your expectations for the upcoming season in light of the changes they made? Let's 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 play it straight, at least for a little bit. Oh, gosh, I, you know, I don't have expectations. I I'm, I'm not going to succumb to the, the, the negativity. I mean, they're just trying to fill a vacuum. I don't, I don't put any stock in, in preseason games. I mean, those preseason games, those, those are the, those are the reps. They're still, still working through the reps. The 0-16 Lions had a perfect preseason just as a point of reference. Right. All right. I think the Vikings had a perfect preseason recently too. And you know, they're perpetually. Yeah. (laughs) No, I don't. I don't. I don't know what to expect with it. It's it's a it's a tough league. There's a lot of uh, talented teams out there. I think the AFC is especially tough. But I, I'm just call me when the season starts. That's that's my attitude. John, is Rod Rust in charge of the offense? What do you think? Well, he may as well be. Um, you know, I, I just don't think there's anybody who's active on Twitter who remembers what it's like to have a a franchise that is truly badly managed. And, you know, it's, I I guess I, I fall into the Belichick Homer space, right? Because I've seen for more than 20 years, they continue to run out a a really good team, a very competitive team. And I grew up watching a team that had moments of competitiveness, but was very much kind of like in the, in the mean where they had a a couple good years then they'd fall off then they'd bounce back with a couple of good years. That's kind of the normal course of business in the NFL. The Patriots have defied gravity and Bill Belichick has defied gravity for so long. Everybody is kind of waiting for failure here. And, you know, someday maybe we'll have a podcast where the team is run by people that we don't believe in. Right. And we do second guess them, but it's not, it's not the the Bill Belichick operation, not in my opinion, at least I, I just, I just, it's, it's personal. They don't like them. They can't wait for them to leave. They're sharpening the knives as much as they can to help expedite this. And it's, it's just gross. Scartelli is the three down segment, just chock full, ready to go for the opener. They need to win games for me to do the three down. I shouldn't, uh, shouldn't, you know, peel back the wow on the behind the scenes stuff, but you have to have a win <laughs> to do the, uh, to do that. And I, I, I figure that they'll, you know, they'll have a loss in September, another one in December, and then they'll, you know, run the table in in the playoffs, the yoffs, as the kids say. And we're looking, we're looking at, you know, 18 and two. Scartelli's, Confidence pro- is high. Scartelli's pronouns are honk and bobo. <laughs> Mike, uh, uh, professional podcaster, Mike from Route One. Um, <laughs> you had, you uh, tangled with uh, Tom E., Karen a little bit earlier yeah. today, who is the the flag? He's the new face of uh, of the media in Boston. 
what are your expectations for the upcoming season? Yeah. Uh, first is I, I didn't know that the, uh, the Josh Marion and friends podcast was filmed before a live studio audience. Is that on the, <laughs> is that on the, uh, the paramount lot? That's yeah, good. yeah, the offer is actually going to be a yeah. 10 part mini series on Matt coming back to Twitter, but it's <laughs> upcoming. Wonderful. Um, yeah, Cur- Curran is, you know, just just it ha- has to peacock around now. And and he's the yeah, he's the lead dog in the uh, in the hunt in the hunt for Bill's for Bill's pelt. So uh, but, you know, I. I don't do predictions, I guess. Uh, I, I think, I don't know. It feels like they're a, I think they're a 12 win team. Um, you know, I, I, similar to Dan, I, I don't put any stock in the preseason, certainly not from, you know, an, an outcome standpoint, but um, you know, I, I, my, my, I do wonder, it, it, you know, how long is it going to take for the line to, um, to, to get it together? And, you know, it, I'm I'm anticipating like watching this Miami game and, you know, the seeing how how many false starts they get and, you know, another time, you know, who gets off late off a snap, you know, that's, that's, that's might be something we have to prepare ourselves for. Um, I don't think all these people that have, have predicted doom throughout the, the preseason, are correct just because that's, you know, they've, they've said as much, it's not their kind of objective. And I think, you know, Patricia alluded to a judge alluded to it. Um, and, you know, Bill, Bill has, has said that it's, they're just trying to get ready to, so they can be a good football team at some point in the season. Um, you know, if I I'm all in uh, on Mac Jones, as much as anyone can be all in. So if I'm wrong on that, I'm going to eat, uh, the biggest amount of shit someone can possibly eat. Copious, uh, and, I'm, and I'm sure no one. I'm sure no one will will remind me of that um, on Twitter. Least of all the um, you know the the 93 IQ subliterate. But um, yeah, I, I'm. I think they'll they'll figure it out eventually. I, I'm there, but there's going to be some. I think feel like there might be some times in in uh, September where we're we're fighting <laughs> a war on all fronts. No, I agree, uh, Dan. I mean it's. To Mike's point, it stands the reason that when they're trying to incorporate new parts of an offense, uh, first and foremost, the the zone running game that Kyle Shanahan and his father used, I think, it, listen, it's you're not going to execute it perfectly. There's a reason why they tried to, it, in the preseason games, it didn't work out really well. The, the running game they've used uh, previously, you know, worked according to the stats uh, that have been posted online, but I think that showing something like that, you're putting that on tape in the preseason, even if you don't have success, you know, if, if at first you don't succeed, try, try again. But, you know, am I crazy to think that the offense could be really balanced? Harris had a really great season last year. And I think we are all in agreement that Stevenson probably might emerge as the best back on the team. What, what did you ask? Did, are you crazy to think which that, that they're going to do well? No, I mean, just that they, they're not going to use the zone concept running game as much as if it's not going to work. And they're going to kind of maybe incorporate that slowly over the course of the year. And, you know, they're not going to, right. They're not going to butt their heads against the wall. If it's not working in a regular season game. No. Well, they'll see what works and, and try to work it out as it goes along. Belichick himself said that the September, there's some truth that it is an extension of the preseason. And there's people that, callous minds would look at that and say, well, that's excuse making. He's already setting us up for failure, but that's the way it's been, especially since they've taken away more of the, uh, the full pads and uh, tried to add more safety into the preseason that's extended out how long it takes for things to start to gel together. So you have to be patient. Yeah. I I think I, I agree with you regarding Belichick's comments about the preseason. John, what, what are your expectations for the upcoming season. I don't think it's, it, I don't think it's really a stretch to say if the defense is good. And if Mac takes the next step, I, I, I think a sub 500 record, I just can't see that happening. Oh, I, I don't see that happening at all. I fully expect them to be in the playoffs. Uh, I think Scarcy is at the kind of the low water mark with his negativity, typically uh, <laughs> only 18 and two. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, I, 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 I think, 
they're a good team. They were a good team last year, right? I mean, they're breaking in a, a rookie quarterback, a rookie Pro Bowl quarterback. Yeah, I think, I think that and, that's really being discounted, John. The fact that, they, that Bill made the playoffs with a rookie quarterback this year, albeit a really, really good, polished rookie quarterback, how is that yeah. being discounted and thrown out? Yeah, I mean, you know, the second year jump applies to everybody except Mac Jones, apparently. And, you know, I, I get there's if there wasn't, you know, last year, the narrative was, well, Bill Belichick's never been to the playoffs without Tom Brady. OK, took care of that. Now it's he surrounded himself with lackeys like Joe Judge and, you know, Matt Patricia and, you know, working in a new offense. So, I mean, next year it'll be something else. Right. But but what do you believe in? Do you believe that kind of bogus narrative from people that have been grinding an axe on this guy for 20 years? Or do you believe in what you've seen that they have a way of figuring it out? They could go two and two in September. And and like Mike on Route One said, you know, we're going to be, you know, defending, you know, standing there like the Game of Thrones gif against the uh, marauding armies coming at us. But it's I, I, it's easy to believe in this in this operation. Like it's easy to believe in Bill Belichick. I feel like it's you know, the, the, the kind of the media honks that come at him. I mean, he's got a long track record of figuring this stuff out and, and building a winning operation. And second year with Mac Jones, the defense looks faster. It's certainly younger. Uh, what were the laments last year? The defense is old and slow. Well, look yes. at the roster now, right? I mean, it's like nobody, nobody talks about any of that. They're all, they're all making up this bullshit and getting people all scared on sports radio that Matt Patricia, like there is no doubt in anybody's mind. I know on this podcast, anybody that listens to this podcast, that the reason they don't like Matt Patricia is because he looks the way he does and he's exponentially smarter than them, right? I think that just drives them up a wall. And I, I would guess because he is so damn smart, he's got a little bit of that social EQ thing that's missing. And he's just kind of grinded them the wrong way. And they're just coming for him. And he is Bill Belichick's guy because Bill Belichick doesn't give, shit, give a shit about any of that. He knows who started out, you know, padding, padding plays and padding stats and, you know, doing all that grunt work and worked their way up and showed the discipline in order to be successful, you know, working for, for that organization in, you know, in other teams in the league, whatever. It's, you know, it just drives me crazy. I mean, Matt Patricia runs circles around any of these guys from a career accomplishment perspective, as well as from a SAT score perspective. Yeah, but the collective Patriots media has the, the social, intelligence, social intelligence of a Kardashian. So, Dan, to, uh, to John's point, and Bill actually said this over the last uh, 48 hours or so, they're faster at the second level at linebacker. Chris Berman came in and asked a question about what his uh, what Bill liked best about his team. What did he have the most confidence in? And his answer was the safeties. And I think in the NFL of today, where it's becoming, they don't have the thumpers at linebacker, like Hightower and Belichick's teams in the past had Pepper Johnson, Harry Carson, those big guys. And the Patriots have always valued, or Belichick's Patriots have always valued those big, tough motherfuckers at the second level. We're just going to thump the hell out of you. And I think that them getting lighter and faster in the secondary, linebackers in the secondary, is a direct response to the NFL, of what the NFL's become in the uh, this century. Yeah, linebackers you can cover, right? I mean, the, he's just Coverage linebacker. He's <laughs> what's What was the nickel? The nickel deer or what was Big the, nickel. The big nickel. <laughs> Victor With, Green. Uh, Adrian Wilson. Does that, there you go. Big nickel here? Victor Green. There we go. Yeah, uh, no, he's collecting talent back there. I mean, it's it's got uh, uh, brought in peppers. It's, uh, this is this is the next thing. We've got guys that can cover, but but can still hit. Agreed. Jabril Peppers is a guy that you know honestly is off have has been off my radar. Scartelli, you know, you and I have both been watching the team for more years than we would care to admit. Is your has there ever been a time where your positivity, your optimism? has just been so far ahead of what the negativity in media has been. This is, these are not the touchdown twins and uh, Mike Sando Borges, you know, peddling bullshit to us. I, I think it feels almost coordinated and even, even Bill Simmons has joined the group, but I'll, I'll get to that in a moment. Well, it's easy. It's easy to be negative now because we're in uh, we're in terra incognita. The last time it's been anything like this was what Don. 94 you know having a, a second year quarterback who started the year before I, I don't i don't see them you know 
being five games better like they were that year with uh, Bledsoe in his second year. But don't trigger me. Oh, exactly. But but a lot, a lot of things can happen. It's uh, that's uh, that's why they play the games. That's why we watch the games. I agree. I, I want to um, call on some tweets over the last 48 hours of an old friend from the uh, old goofball board, our buddy, Pat 67. He had a really nice tweet string last night that I wanted to reference just really quickly. Uh, he tweeted on August 29th that he was thinking about the team tonight. Defense is a position of strength. The safety position is aces. They have so many good, impactful players there. I like the front seven. Barmore plus the young linemen and the vets and mobile linebackers. Better than last year. Everyone wants to raise an eyebrow in the cornerbacks, but Jonathan Jones is among the best players they've had back there in 20-plus years. Mills is a pro, and to me, the most immediate contributions will come from the two cornerbacks they drafted, the, the Jones boys, like the Celtics backcourt in the 60s. Yet another hyper-local reference, uh, very timely. Um, offensively, to me, it's simple. They felt they needed a change, which makes sense given McDaniel's departure and other recent ones. And the league is different now than it was in the last decade. The personnel is different, and they believe that it's time. Uh, everything that's going on is just more sports radio bullshit. You'd have to be a fucking sap to buy in into any of that, much less parrot it. Well, there you go. Uh, let this breathe, for God's sakes. I'm less concerned with September than I am with November and December, which he makes a good point here which is what killed them last year. Um, Mike, your thoughts? I think the defense has a chance to be really good. Yeah, um, I, 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 all those things that he said there, I, I think are right on. Um, and, you know, I, I, this, let's, let's file this one under self-scouting and your, your question about Scarzi between the, the disconnect between his, his feelings and, um, and those of um, the majority of, at least to my view, fans, and I think it's probably more than a majority. Um, in the interest of self-scouting, we had this conversation last year. We talked. We talked about other times when, in our in our effort, I think rightly to push back against the stupid shit we see every day. Do we miss the boat? So you know, we we were in defending Cyrus Jones after you know the first three times he, he <laughs> bobbled a punt, and Nikhil Harry, um, you know, defending him. Oh, he he blocks well. Um, do we miss the boat? Are we, are we the baddies essentially is what I'm saying, but, um, do we, is there, is there anything in your mind? Is, is what is, what's the more likely scenario that we're missing the boat here and everyone else is right. Or they come out week one and it's obviously a very much different team. I think in, in, a hundred different ways. First being, I don't think they're as good at this moment, uh, than the 07, uh, team Remember, They look, pretty okay they looked okay in the, in the preseason in, in 07 but then they came out and it was like a boat race down in the meadowlands so what i'm saying is is it possible they come out and those things look fixed and they look great and they're clicking on all cylinders offensively the defense i think is going to be I, I don't have a ton of concern there um they've got enough bodies to make it work but is there a chance they come out offensively and it looks just like looks great is that which, which of those scenarios is more likely? Are we missing the boat or are we miss? Are we not uh, optimistic enough? Like Brady's first game in Miami in 01, right? Where they lost 30 to 10. Well, uh, th yeah, I mean, that, that, that could, that could happen. I, I'm, I'm not ruling that out, but are, are the Patriots going to come out and look great offensively in week one or are, or is this going to be a shit show of a season? Um, you know, which, which of those is more likely to happen? You know, I'm not ready to adjudicate the entire season. What's happens? What's going to happen on September 11th in that House of Horrors down there in Miami Gardens? Uh, you know, the Miami thing. As much as you know, you just talked about that. You know, are we are we the baddies? You know, I think I've had my head in the sand after the Patriots won two in a row in the '80s, the AFC Championship game in January of '86, and then they won the division title later that year in '86. Uh, the Miami thing, like I'm, I'm mentally prepared, John. Like I'm just gonna sit in front of the TV a couple of Sundays from now, and I'm prepared for Tua to just death by paper cuts with that rag armed, left handed, uh, you know, Rich Hill playing quarterback for the Dolphins. I mean, how do you? I mean, talk me off the ledge here, John. Yeah, I mean, 
two things. One is this is where I think the defensive speed comes in handy because I think they'll be able to go sideline to sideline against that sort of offense much better than they did last year. And then I think the other thing is I, I got a tremendous, surprisingly, I've got a tremendous amount of faith in, in the way they've constructed the defensive side of the roster and in a matchup sort of way. And, you know, if you listen to Lombardi's podcast, which I very much enjoy, as I've said before, he talks a lot about this kind of movement toward almost positionless football, not, not directly analogous with the NBA, but you know, the, the fact but that Jabril the Peppers, have, it is. Jabril Peppers is, is a part of that. It, exactly. So it's like, you know, they've got, what would they keep five safeties? I mean, can you picture like four safeties on the field at one time? I mean, I, I, I can, right. Can you picture a situation where they're playing two, against a team like Miami, perhaps two defensive linemen and, you know, being able to run sideline to sideline because they're trying to get as much speed on the field because they don't really worry about two of beating other than, you know, they roll the coverage over to Tariq Hill and, and worry about nobody else. Right. I mean, that, I just, I have a lot of faith in, in, Bill Belich- the, the work that Bill Belichick's put in to figuring out how to compete in the 2022 NFL and how different it is from what he's done in the past and evolving his roster in that way. That's a hard thing to do, you know, in one year. But I think if you look back to the, the Cam Newton team and the defense on that team versus where we are now, it is a lot faster. It's a lot younger. Um, it's, it's kind of differently configured. And I, I like what they've got. And I, I fully expect them because I usually do fully expect him to go in and beat what Mike McDaniel and his Yeez, air Yeezys he's going to be wearing on the sidelines because he's so like drift tacular. I mean, come on. Like, you know, you got Bill Belichick running, running his locker room and Mike McDaniel, like it's, I'm just, I'm, I'm going in on Belichick on that one. Huge coaching advantage until I see otherwise. Right. And, and in week one, I think that matters. I have a hard time thinking that Mike McDaniel, um, Elaine's interracial boyfriend can beat Bill in week one, but what the hell do I know? <laughs> Dan, what, what, what are your thoughts? Uh, what are your thoughts on the whole Miami thing and, and what's going on here? You know, the overblown story of the preseason was the change on offense, but I think an even bigger one, more pivotal one is what they did just what, like we're talking about on defense. I mean, and so much hinges on those linebackers and, I, I don't know what they're going to bring, but you, you, that was the biggest issue at the end, at the end of December is that just the team speed and they're bringing in guys like uh, they've got McMillan who's now back from last year and, and Mac Wilson and what's, what's Jennings going to bring, what's Uche going to bring. And I honestly don't know, but that's, that's the exciting part. I, I, I do think so much of their season uh, hinges on what those linebackers can accomplish. Yeah, I agree. And the secondary as well, if they can generate some heat, up front, things would be pretty good. Scartelli, you want to put a bow on this? I mean, again, I know that you're relishing the chance to have four down. Uh, three down? What do we do? Four down, three down? Um, whatever the good one is. But Correct. Um, yeah, go ahead, Scartelli. Oh, it's, it's, kind of, it's going to be nice to go into Miami without uh, their having an opposing coach with, you know, institutional knowledge of the team. Yes, a thousand percent. A thousand percent. So that, that, that'll be nice. That'll be nice. And like we like we've uh, like we've said, you're not going to extrapolate the rest of the season from uh, game one, but people will do that, and you know, we, we can't stop them. We can't stop people from you know, just you know, giving in to their worst impulses. But we can uh, we can just uh, keep keep on keeping on and enjoying watching the games, Mike. Should we should we set up some sort of new Twitter account where we can ask Warren Sharp to please point on the doll where Bill Belichick rejected him um, his proposal to work for the Patriots? What the what the Warren Sharp? Um, what's his name? Tyler? Will you help me out here? Um, yeah, I, I my my research has been so uh, diligent that I I've, I've forgotten his last name now. So yes. <laughs> Is it I, I, it's an H H is an H E I something. I, I forget. Um, so yeah, I, I we got to get the fellows down at the, uh, the crime lab working in shifts, Scarcy on that, <laughs> on that one. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, he, that guy, he, he bothers me too. It's the smugness and even the mustache does kick it up a few um, degrees, but it, it, the, it's just so smug. And it's the it, it is the the stat humping and the the numbers humping and you know he he is he has since made his um he does not he no longer reveals his uh his the results of his his recommend recommended plays 
from a wagering standpoint because he's worried that someone may reverse engineer his uh reverse his, engineer his, his formula yeah I, i'm sure i'm sure his algorithm that, yes his algorithm yes thank you he's going to reveal uh, his Brickner, picks on, right? the, on the sports advisors at 7 a.m on yeah. sunday morning on tv 38 right <laughs> yeah i i I'd, I'd go with uh i'd go with the bankroll boys over over Mr. Sharp, which is which says something. That's a vouch for the bankroll boys. Um, I have I have to say, California Bill is on a roll. Not has only as he brought in known scam to captor Warren Sharp into the employee of the Ringer. He's brought in uh, Brian Barrett, a former irrelevant personality at WEI. He is totally different than any other Boston sports media. And just here's him reading a Brian Barrett reading a book on tape. This is risk management on tape. Brian Barrett, uh, the dulcet tones of Brian Barrett uh, with a book on tape. In order to manage risk, we must first understand risk. All right, Brian Barrett, his new Boston-based podcast for The Ringer, uh, Off the Pike, which John's had some fun with doing the puns, Off the Pike with Brian Barrett. These are the the headlines for his first few podcasts. And I'm listen, I've written some really poor headlines like, Mediates in the in the line of fire for the last one. So, like, listen, I'm not above you know tripe and that sort of thing. But these are the last few uh, podcast headlines for Brian Barrett off the pike. Are the Patriots failing Mac Jones and themselves? The Patriots' biggest issues and other preseason takeaways. How much will the Patriots miss Josh McDaniels? Something nobody said three years ago. And then the other one: the Red Sox didn't prioritize winning. Well, it's Linda need another handbag. Uh, plus, Pat's questions and Brady was nearly a Raider. Plus, Tom Curran. John, you're, I think you're the only one of the group that's taken a chance to listen to that podcast. And while I've gotten a concussion from Clavin shaking, what were your impressions from the uh, the Brian Barrett Off the Pike podcast? Oh, um, I, I feel like a, you're rubbing you're a, rubbing uh, your face as you're answering. It's a, it's a it's a play with one actor in two parts, and here you go. So let me tell you about Josh Winkowski's third inning, pitch by pitch. <laughs> he okay, did that so... location <laughs> miles per hour. It was you know it was it was it made Ted Sarandis seem like Walter Cronkite. It was one of the Don Orsillo pitch count. Yeah. So that, yeah. Oh, it makes the Don Orsillo pitch count look like Vin Scully telling a story. I mean, it is, it is, it is, it was so bad. And this is from somebody, I love baseball and, and actually I don't, I, and I actually love pitching and I love the intricacies of pitching, but like, uh, oh, oh, he throws an 88 mile an hour fastball down the middle. Now, why would he do that when an oh, oh, his cutter has a positive war of 73%. It's and, an exaggeration, okay, so, but it's not an exaggeration that much. So, but now hold on. Let me get into let me get into the the pitch framing stats here because on OO pitches, the pitch framing on a cutter is seventeen percent more efficient than the pitch framing on a four seam fastball. All right. So, so now, so why would Winkowski do that? Why would he do that anyway? So, oh one. I mean, it's it's brutal, and it goes on like that for an entire inning, and that was a bad inning for Winkowski. So it went on for quite a while. Right. And then and then the coup de gras was. So let me kick it over to you, Chad Finn. Is there a market for this kind of conversation in, in Boston? You know, hold, hold on. Hold on there, Brian. Let me tell you a little bit about the book I'm writing about the legacy of the Boston Globe in their sports writing. I mean, because there's a market for that. For real. Like, I don't know if you knew Chad Finn is writing a book on the great Sunday notes columns that Peter Gammons wrote. But that is definitely coming out in book form. Thanks to Chad. I, I would know more about this if he didn't block me a while ago. I think he probably blocked all of you all as well. But that was basically the pod. And I had to, I didn't subscribe. I was just test driving it. And um, like your Civic, Mike, with a spoiler on the back. I had hey, to listen, bring it back Steve to R is working on a really good rate for me. Let's see if I can get, I can get credit approved. I can so, always help with so the yeah. aftermarket spoilers. It's spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> so, so this will shock you all. But no vouch, no vouch for this podcast. It's really bad. Have you listened to it, Mike? Yeah, it, 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 like yeah, John is not exaggerating. It's and it it's reminds terrible. me of when when Ted Sarandis when I'd be driving home from a Red Sox game and stuck on Storrow Drive and listening to Sarandis go through the the box score <laughs> play by play, and I just wanted to like you know the Red Sox 
lost the game to, to the Orioles in 10. And I just want to like, you know, jerk the wheel and, and plow across the Esplanade into the Charles. Just Mark Bellhorn was 0 for 1 with a walk. Oh, yeah, Kevin Millar, yeah. four ground outs yeah. and a fly it's, to it's, center. It's, it's unbelievable. Is yeah. anyone, Dan or Scartelli, <laughs> will you raise your hand if you subjected yourself to the Brian Barrett experience yet? They're not the best color man in the league for nothing, folks. I, uh, he has a whiner line. He has a whiner line as well. He, you know, you didn't believe me. You didn't believe me <laughs> yeah. when I posted that he has right. a wiener winer no. line. No, yeah, he does. It's great. Think what does he call that. his? Well, voicemail. That's what the wiener <laughs> line was. It was fucking voicemail. <laughs> well, there you go. You know, good artist, Bardo. Great artist, Steel. And then there's <laughs> this guy. Well, I was able to ignore in person for years, and I'll just continue ignoring him in uh, podcast form. His his what grinds my gears segment is the best is the best part, in my opinion. <laughs> I, I want to pivot quickly. Um, Albert Breer, he is our muse. God God bless Albert Breer, who doesn't block anyone. He he probably uses the mute button liberally. Uh, my favorite tweet of the last week. I actually think we should have a my favorite tweet since the last podcast segment. Uh, Washington rookie running back, Alabama grad, Brian Robinson got shot um, on the 28th. And Albert Breer's quote tweet to this news was, had a great summer, was set to play a major role. Uh, Mike, uh, you want to vouch for Albert Breer? Uh, you know that there, I would sooner vouch for <laughs> Ted Bundy. Many, many despots and... Um, undesirables and deplorables before I, I vouch for Albert Breer. But yeah, he, do, I don't think he does block because once every like three years now, he'll, he'll quote tweet something I've said. And uh, if I, I particularly agree, just he'll say something about it. So I, I, that's why I keep tweeting, uh, keep tweeting at him, but it is it, without fail. That was a, uh, that was like a Peter King or a, uh, what's the guy's name? There's guys, a baseball, baseball crank, baseball crank, Peter King level of, um, tone deafness in in the face of of death um with, with that response but it's 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 perfect um the, the, the miracle really had a, a shot at starting yeah, kind of thing. yeah it's <laughs> unbelievable <laughs> he just he didn't make it about about himself so i guess we should give him give him some credit there but he really is just a a brainless like uh, he, he's he will never not never not trigger me who would win a, a round of jeopardy between uh, Rappaport, Breer, and Schefter. Oof. What's what's the category? Stealing, um, uh, marrying, marrying nine eleven widows. Is that <laughs> the category? It would be like the the uh, SNL skit with uh, you know Sean Connery and Alec Baldwin and Kathy Lee Gifford. You know, yeah. on, on Jeopardy. I mean, it's it's really it's personal. You know, everyone's got it's different situations. Well, sneak preview of the next segment I want to do. I, I want to. I want to trigger. I want to trigger. I think Shefty would do okay. Yeah, would he come would just, in right after the other guys. He would be. And Rap would say something like, says, <laughs> "I I had that too." <laughs> Rap would say something like, "You know, like a uh, really big opportunity." It would be the answer would be like John Quincy Adams, and he'd be like, "Really big opportunity for the son of a president, a former president here." It's like, and know, then Dre would say, "Can confirm." Fun. Yes. Yeah. Mike, I want to trigger you. This is uh, tampering, Tommy. Uh, in his first pod, uh, first press conference after coming back from um, going to Sandals, Jamaica with Yappa Yappa. <laughs> I'm 45 years old, man. There's a lot of shit going on. So, you know, you just got to try to figure out life the best you can. And, um, you know, it's a uh, continuous process. So, Tell me your wife is a shrew without telling me that your wife is a shrew. Oh, yes. He, uh, well, the first thing is I, I, I didn't read that as, um, I read it more, I guess, meta and kind of overarching as than a lot of people did. And as far as like, what is it that's actually going on? So I, I don't know, but yeah, man, geez, he, he sounds really uh, chipper, huh? And he looked good too. I thought, um, you know, the, the chest going great looking natural. going great yeah. yeah the cheeks i mean uh i don't know he he is uh not showing up at camp um for that amount of time is, is pretty interesting coming from from him but i don't know he's he's dead to me so what are you gonna do I, john do you, yeah 
John, do you want to deconstruct Tommy there? Oh God, this was a minus 10,000 that you're going to kick it over to me next after that. Um, <laughs> we also have look, an email for you, just for the record. We have a list of uh, email for you. So I'll then I'll be quick on this then if I got to go back to this well, but he, he's speaking for every 45 year old when he says that stuff, you know, it's celebrities, they're just like us. Right. <laughs> and, and I will say this, look, I'm not going to make this about Brady because, you know, I, I Tamper and Tom is killing me, even if it's true. Um, I'm going to make it about Derek Jeter and vouch again for Derek Jeter's management of his social life. You never saw it when Derek Jeter was 45 hitting second for the Yankees, right? When he was 45, <laughs> when he was 45 hitting second for the Yankees and playing shortstop, you didn't see this kind of stuff going on with him because he knew how to manage the social life and not get trapped with Yoko Bunch in there. So that's uh, another feather in the cap of Derek Jeter. I can't believe I'm saying that. Do you know what Derek Jeter's contemporary at that point in his career did? Alvaro Espinosa also did not have any <laughs> social issues back in the day. I, I want to, before we go, Dan, Dan was nice enough to, uh, to give me a cue to this audio. Um, Kellen Mond was uh, a third round mm. pick of the Vikings. Uh, quarterback was released today. Never mind Alex Leatherwood, who was a first-round pick of the Raiders last year. Spoiler, other teams have busts. This is Chris Gasper uh, on the Felcher and Maz show with the napkins warmer Jim Murray from uh, about this time last year. It's a bit, bit of a long clip, but we'll, uh, we'll, I'll let you guys have your reactions to it after this. With less, then you do less. It's like being in college and saying, like, oh, I didn't read any of these chapters. I'm going to skim them. Oh, I got an A on this test. Okay, next time I'm going to do the same thing. And, and he kept doing it and kept doing it. And he pushed it and pushed it and pushed it. And I'm just not sure the realization has sort of hit home over there that the days of doing that are over. And the days of sort of having your own alternate market where you say, no, you know, if you're going to play for us, we're going to pay you this. Or if we're going to take this guy, like we're going to make a deal with, with one of our buddies like Greg Schiano, and he's just going to pretty much give us Revis. Like that's not going to happen anymore. Just because you – you took you. less for Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't mean that somebody else is not going to maximize his value. So I'll get and to I, I think that's missing. I think they're missing that point. I'll get to that in a second. But you, you feel Garoppolo, Wentz, and Darnold are fair comps. I, I, I here's the way I feel. Yes, because I think Garoppolo is better than both those guys. I mean, Garoppolo. Granted, he was sort of dragged to the Super Bowl in the postseason. You know how I feel about that. But the way he played in the regular season helped set that team up to get to the Super Bowl. Carson Wentz has never been to a Super Bowl. Sam Darnold's awful. So you, you see, you know, sort of what's going on and what, what these guys are, are, are fetching for prices. And I don't see how you can look at it any other way than, than there has to be a path, a conditional path to a one if you want Garoppolo. The market has been set. I mean, that's the market. You can't operate. It's no longer one team and 30, 31 other teams. You lost that when Tom Brady walked out the door. You were grouped in with the other 32 teams now. You, the market is the market. You either want to pay it or you don't. It was kind of nice, Mass. I think Gasper's come around on Garoppolo. I, well, the same way I have. I, he's become a Jimmy G guy. Well, he's the best. He's the best possible option. And I think if Kyle Shanahan can stage mom him to a Super Bowl, then what can Belichick? Uh, he do? still takes yeah. a shot there because he feels he has to. But I think like overall, he's come around. Yeah, because he wants to hold the Patriots' feet to the fire. That's why. That's the only reason why. I don't let him kid you. He's he the, you know, I think I've heard this before. They had the guy, right? <laughs> they had the guy. Well, what Chris, you... yeah, I mean, but it just basically comes down to all the money that they just spent. You do all this ridiculous stuff of free agency. You fill every hole, and you're still short the quarterback. Why not just go get him? Even if that means you got to give up the first-round pick for him. It seems high, but you had the guy before. He was the guy, and he was the guy after Brady. So go do it. And, it, and and you're both right. It doesn't have to be 15 this year. They no, right. don't trade 15. I've come around on that. Don't give up 15. Next but year's first. Yeah. Next year, yeah. Next year, a conditional, you know, conditional second next year that can become a first if he plays. And you know what the great thing about that is, guys, you could still draft Kellen Mond this year. Right. So now it's like, okay, we, you know, here's Jimmy. He's the placeholder. Let's see what happens. If he can't stay healthy, then you know, whatever. And we take a shot on Kellen Mond, and maybe he's the long-term guy. So I think that's the best case scenario. So just to recap. Chris Gasper would have given up a first-round pick for Jimmy Garoppolo. He would have drafted Kellen Mond. He would have, he would have drafted Kellen Mond in the second round, John? In the second round. You don't get Mac Jones. You give up a first-round pick in 2022. Is it a wonder, Dan, while Chris Gasper it has no clue what he's looking at? He doesn't have a GM job like Warren Sharp. 
well, not only that, he would have moved up in the second round to get Kellen Mond, yeah. the, the yeah. spot where the Patriots were in the second. That that was that wasn't sufficient. They, he'd have to. And trade who did the Patriots him. draft in the second round with that pick? That was Christian Barmore. Mike. Oh yeah, and he was and he was joking about Barmore too. But he, yeah, he doesn't know what he's talking about. He doesn't. He. Why should we go to him for any type of analysis for these things? He was saying the same thing after the. Uh, the kicker that the, the Patriots draft, Roar Wasser, Correct. and how that was an epic failure. And in the tweet, he was the, where one of the tweets where he was talking about that, he was saying just two picks later, they could have had Tyler Johnson, the guy that the, the Buccaneers just cut today. Yes, yeah, surprise. Another can Tommy draft wide receivers? I mean, is Tommy getting bust after bust in the draft? Scartelli, would you, would you, could I petition you to do me a favor? Could you just make a one line, perhaps weekly in the uh, sports junk drawer, just eviscerating Gasper. Please just use his own words against them. I, I, I beseech you, please, Scartelli. All right. Well, here we go. Knock, knock. Who's there? Kellen Mond. <laughs> <laughs> uh, John. Uh, you know, you got to play along. Kellen Mond. Kellen Mond, too. Kellen Mond, Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm getting my uh, scarts. We got to get Scartelli a Karnak hat when he's going to start to pull that shit out. Uh, John, Kellen Mond, vouch or no vouch? Did you vouch for Kellen Mond? I did not. I did not vouch, nor did I vouch for Gasper's tweet. I mean, you know, Dan did a nice job, really nice job finding that audio. And uh, it's it's kind of funny to listen to it. His tweet does, you know, kind of puts a cherry on top of all this because it wasn't just trading up in the second round for the guy that was taken in the third round, Kellen Mond. It was trading back in the first round for Micah Parsons, who went 12th, right? right? So right. so it's like he he didn't know what he was looking at in the first round, but he feels very confident. You know, it's like I, I, had, I had an old boss. You'll appreciate this, Mike, on Route 1. I had an old boss who used to, whenever I was, when I was doing stupid shit, she'd be like, man, you're like a second lieutenant. You know, you're rarely right, but you're never in doubt. And that's how I view Gaffer, <laughs> right? You know, rarely right, but never in doubt. And I guess there's something to that, that shtick when you're, when you're portraying something. That should on be Boston the motto sports of sports. Radio. John, that should be like sports radio's motto. Yeah. It's a, right? it's a collection of second lieutenants. Um, yeah. Mike, uh, put a bow on this one for uh, that, that idiot, Chris Gasper. Never yeah, mind I mean, that other idiot, Jim Murray. I do think Scarcy should, should make that a, a, a running bit like the, um, what was the old, was the was it like the Boston Phoenix did the unbelievably barnacle? Was that was that what that was from? The unbelievably barnacle. They're like you need like a I don't know indubitably Gasper or something like that. But um, or synonym for that. Um, but uh, yeah, it just you know taking up one level, listening just those four voices. Just you know, you got a guy who who covers himself in napkins and whose wife gets deep dicked by Gene Levanchi on the regular. Um, you've got you know the guy who. Wears a scally cap and, and sunglasses indoors and Tony catch-up recommendations. Uh, I'll, I'll keep my mouth shut about Gasper. I don't want the human rights campaign coming at us. But um, <laughs> unbelievable, though. Just like, and it's you know I never oh they're they're doing it they're they're doing a bit they're they're all but yeah Felger is trolling to some degree but you know Jim Murray is a despicable human being and also he's fat so uh, it just just annoying <laughs> as fuck. By the way, um, I didn't even broach this at all with uh, in our group chat. I watched uh, Top Gun Maverick at home this weekend. Different experience. Same. Uh, <laughs> uh, I watched with Dildo Brian, who hit who hit stop on the recording when Cruz was trying to hit Mach ten. Are you, Mike? Are you aware of the conspiracy theory that Cruz dies? Yeah, when he ejects, and that everything that happens from there is is a fever dream, and him making everything right with with uh, with Rooster and everything else. Because I th I yeah. had that Kramer moment. I was like, "Holy shit, that could be good." Uh no, it, I I I heard that on the Simmons podcast, the rewatchables that he did on the Thankfully, first time. I didn't. Thankfully, I didn't. yeah, and I no, I, I I don't think it makes a lot of sense given the. It's an interesting, moderately interesting conceit. I just think it's kind of it's kind of hack, um, you know, been done. But in in 
different ways to varying degrees. No, I, I don't think I, it didn't make much sense to me, but just given if you wanted to actually pull that off the points of view that were later shown, it, it, it just didn't make a lot of sense. Now it, it, it didn't, it didn't do anything for me. Um, there, there's a lot better theories out there uh, with, with that kind of thing than, than for Top Gun Maverick. It didn't work for me. Fair and, and dead men don't do sequels. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. But Rooster does Scartelli Rooster does. Uh, let's go to, let's go to our, fi- our final thoughts segment. Uh, which is brought to you by Atami and Honda. Uh, t- you can get 10% off undercoating and extended warranties with the code Media Mike. Let's go to uh, let's go to John uh, in the Bay Area. Go ahead, John. You are up first with final thoughts. Well, you, you have a listener. Uh, are we going to do final thoughts? Or are you going to do a listener? final thoughts? Then we're going to go into all emails. Right. Go ahead. All right, all right. Um, two quick things. The, the, all the draft stuff, and you know, the, let's talk about the Devin Asiasi as an example here. Right? By the way, I've gotten two. So, I've gotten two ma- emails from Vinny Jace in the last seven minutes, so I have more emails now. <laughs> Excellent. So I'll, I'll be quick. So. The the Asi thing is kind of a window into something that, frankly, I love about football and I hate about media, right? So the Asiasi is a third round pick, gets out competed for a for a roster spot by probably somebody you know who is undrafted or or less well regarded, right? That to me is one of the great things about football, about sports, about competition, right? The fact that these guys, wherever they're drafted, and Belichick talks about this, it's a production-oriented business. He says it all the time, right? It's Duke this Dawson, production- J.C. Jackson. It, exactly. It is a production-oriented business, and you've got to earn your spot every day. Now, I get the fact that if, like, you're Ben Volan writing for a paper that costs 99 cents for six months, right, it's not really a production-oriented business, right? Nobody's gunning for Ben Volan, right? He's, he's just got his job. He can mail it in weeks at a time and nobody gives a shit, right? Like as evidenced by the fact that as evidenced by the fact he's been mailing it in for weeks at a time, right? So, you know, in in the NFL, Asiasi is a third round pick. Nothing's given to him. Guys come in and compete for his job. Somebody came in and competed and took his job, right? And that's that's what it's all about. That's what makes the NFL, what makes pro sports great. And I just so they talk about third round bus. I mean, somebody had to replace him. Somebody had to outwork him. You can think that, you know, that Belichick blew it, but the roster is better the way they've configured it because he certainly isn't sticking with his third round picks who are bus at the expense of a better player because that would cut into Patriot culture. Players would know this and you'd hear those stories and you don't hear those stories, right? In fact, you hear the opposite. That's what the Patriots have been about for as long as he's been running the operation. And I'm going to put in a quick plug for Alex Leatherwood. I may be all alone on this, but I, I have a soft spot. I have a fetish for Alabama football captains because I would absolutely vouch if you come out of that program as a captain playing for Nick Saban, you got something. And I don't know if the Raiders couldn't find it. I don't know what happened, but I would love nothing more than that dude be on a minimum contract on the Patriots practice squad roster by this time next week, who drafted? Um, I think if any, who drafted? If anybody, him? Mike Mayock, Belichick's buddy. Well, and and yeah, so I mean, and you know, the fact that McDaniel's, as we said on the group thread, the fact that McDaniel's let him go. If he came to the Patriots and became like yeah. a, a Pro Bowl offensive guard, oh my God, watching media head, heads explode on that would make it worth the price of admission. So anyway, I'm I've got my fingers crossed. I want to speak that one into existence. That's it. Dan, your final thought. I got a couple here. Um, actually, what John just said is where I was going with one of them, just talking about cut down day and how the uh, the cutting of um, Asi Asi and Keen and and the all the fervor over all the, the third round picks getting cut. And I was I was noting that um, Mike Reese today was said that with the cuts, he could see as many as 10 rookies making this team. So yeah, absolutely 2017 to 2019, some of those guys in 2020, they didn't draft well. But 2020 still brought Duggar and Unweno, and uh, you might see Jennings and Uche show dividends this year. 2021, they killed it with the first three picks alone. Uh, plus uh, Bledsoe's just slinging it in, in the defensive backfield. That one's for you, Mike. Sorry, I had some PTSD on that one, too. I'm sorry, go ahead. <laughs> So finally this year, it looks like seven draftees and maybe three undrafted free agents will make the team. Um, so I, I don't have any problem saying that those 17 to 19 years were bad, but 
we've moved on. That's one of the big virtues of Bill Belichick is his willingness to move on, kill him for the bad picks. Fine. But he never compounds it by keeping a lesser player out of pride. Well, and the, uh, the other thing I had was um, uh, with the news of Brady and Gronk supposedly um, having a deal in place with the Raiders in 2020, that, that the rate that uh, John Gruden backed out of. Um, added to his year-long seduction with the Dolphins and then eventually signing with the Bucks, uh, he's become this mercenary fig- figure, sort of like something out of Yojimbo. That one's for you, Andover Del Norte. <laughs> yeah, he's quarterback, David Cohn in quarterback fo- uh, form. Uh, Scartelli, your final thought. Oh, sure. This is just two bits of uh, housekeeping with stuff that was mentioned earlier, but uh, I just want to circle back on one, you know, Tom using that sort of, you know, salty language. There could have been kids there. He deserves a finger wag from Peter Vesey. <laughs> well put, well put. And two, John, did you pronounce GIF as GIF? I also put periods at the end of all my tweets, which apparently is triggering for young people. I just learned this. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm glad to know that because I'm going to make sure I do that. <laughs> There's a formality with periods that apparently... Uh, Younger that the generation younger than uh, millennials does not appreciate. Anyway, now you know. It's the same thing. Barrett uh, Simmons's dial tone ringer dial tone does the same thing. He doesn't have a period at the end of his sentence. Uh, Mike, final thought. Based on based on Twitter, uh, it seems young people end all of their sentences with LMAO. But uh, so uh, I have a, I have a thought. Um, reading, I, I don't know where the draft stuff came. I guess when they were cutting people that they had drafted, like I guess it came from the tight end, the two tight ends being cut. So the draft thing popped up today. But, you know, I, I've certainly been guilty in the past of, of doing the, uh, you know, yeah, the Patriots are, are, are better at drafting than, you know, than this team or that team. And, and they are better than a lot of teams. Absolutely. But I think the thing that, that I, I learn over time is, you know, certainly with, with, a larger sample size, um, you're going to, you know, a hundred and however, I don't know how many picks Belichick has made, um, in, in, in 20 years. Um, but you know, 120, 30, uh, there's going to be a lot of busts in there. And certainly you're going to, for all of your great successes, you're going to have some, some busts in there too, but it's, it's really not about picking players. Is it never going to be something that I think you can be consistently great over and over again. And I think he, the, Belichick has admitted that. And I think his behavior in his approach to the draft um, is speaks to his own um, acknowledgement of his, his um, deficiencies there and projecting people at the, at the next level and why they seem to be so much better in acquiring players that are already established in the league. He's, he's talked about that many times. So it's, it's the fact it's the managing the draft and maneuvering around the draft, acquiring capital. So you can give yourself the most kicks mm-hmm. in the can. That is the most important thing um, when it comes to the draft right. and, and you're going to have busts and mm-hmm. that's just it's something you have to accept. And the thing is too, they're way more willing than a lot of other guys to acknowledge those failures and to cut, cut bait on guys because they have a track record. And they also have a track record of developing guys that are, you know, undrafted free agents and things like that. And that draft position doesn't matter. So that was just, uh, you know, comes up every many times a year. And, and here we are again, but, um, and I do have two media, media vouchers, uh, this week, uh, liked, I really enjoyed on both on Hulu. I enjoyed the, um, the predator prequel. It's a little, uh, Alan Sepinwall, um, Peggy, 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 uh, you go girl. Um, I think that's why a lot of people are, I just, that was a really great movie uh, and inspired, inspired way, way back into the predator franchise and the bear, I think is the best show on TV. It's a, you know, it's a FX show on Hulu um, uh, kind of a darkish comedy, but drama um, really, really good. I would recommend that vouch full vouch. And that's, that's all I have. All right. It's, it's not a vouch free episode of entitled town. I have a very quick final thought before we pivot into um Emails. <clears throat> I'm trying my best to not sa- to sound gleeful when I say this. Odyssey, the parent company of WEEI, filed for bankruptcy today. And I have a couple of rhetorical questions. Uh, one, does that mean that Lou Merloni's going to have to downgrade to mar- magic marker from uh, shoe polish to dye his hair? <laughs> and John, does that mean that you're going to you want to rescind your vouch for Mego? 
Uh-uh. Nope. She's the most hireable person on that station by a factor of 10. There's no doubt in my mind. There's a number of ways her career could go. She is not like the rest of those yahoos. She will be spinning country music on that station. What the, fuck, what the fuck's station. wrong with you? Yeah, look, we'll we'll get into it. Let's make this a topic for the next pod. I've got to. I'm going to lay out my my pro Migo status here. All right, Are you her uh, agent? I mean, no, no, no. Is no police no. is police at listening? Can we can we get a clip of this? <laughs> Jesus, I, I got a soft spot, but I'll lay it out next pod. We'll put it on as a topic. Yeah, that's, um, that's, I have, that's, I, hold on. I have a Frank Reynolds. Frank Reynolds. We got to get it together. <laughs> a blog post. Published today, falsely claimed that Odyssey's CEO confirmed Odyssey's bankruptcy. That statement is categorically untrue. This is straight from Odyssey. Odyssey intends to vigorously pursue all available remedies for false statements meant to cause damage to Odyssey and its stakeholders. How about that? Well, the stock's up to 52 cents. So, I mean, clearly it's 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 prime to take off. Does this end with Kirk Minahan in prison? When they said said bankrupt, Mike, on Route 1, when they said bankrupt, did they really say delisted? Because I don't, I, mean, know, it's like, I don't know. I don't know. Steve R. No, they, they, <laughs> no, they mean morally bankrupt. Here. They mean morally bankrupt. Yeah. It's, it's the, I think the pink sheets is the term for uh, for penny stocks. <laughs> All right. Few few listener emails. We have we have nine listener emails. I'll get through them very quickly. This has already been a marathon podcast. Uh, Woody uh, sent an email in um, right after last week's podcast. Our, our last podcast, and he says, um, I'd be happy to ask Ben Volan or Christopher Gasper any questions you may have, because he's a subscriber. They're having a subscriber-only event previewing the Patriots' 2022 season uh, with Gasper and Volan, uh, 6 to 7 p.m. Eastern on September 6th. I think we might record next Monday, so uh, that is good. His next, uh, Woody sent another email mimicking uh, Fatty McButterpants, which is the uh, Boston sports media watch named for Peter King, um, <laughs> saying it's getting late early in New England. I hate overreacting to the preseason. It's a fool's errand, but the Patriots look bad, particularly on offense and throughout the summer. And Mac Jones wasn't sharp. Another clunker. And Bill Belichick said, I need to clean up a lot of things. And the Patriots into the season is a clear number five team in a four-team AFC East. Uh, New England's 17 and 17 uh, post Brady last playoff win 43 months ago. That's spot on uh, fatty McButterpants. Uh, that email was, was regarding uh, kid gas. Vinny wants to know, and we answered this question a little bit earlier. Uh, Vinny says that the Patriots have not bra- brought back high tower of Van Noy because Van Noy is in uh, with the chargers. Are they looking to de-emphasize the position? Vinny, same, same page as usual. You're on the same page with us. And Vinny also asked a question about Warren Sharp, and I think we answered that too, uh, emphatically. The last email is from Ron in Situate. And he wants to know, John, can you please vouch for Josh Allen? For the love <laughs> of God, I, we're asking you to vouch for Josh Allen and the Bills. Would you like, would, John, can you help out our friends from, from Situate? Uh-huh. Oh, situate. I love the beach there. They used to kick my Brockton travel soccer team's ass because they were really good at soccer down there. So I will definitely repay that with a vouch. Josh Allen, unstop. How do you stop Josh Allen? I mean, the guy is just a phenom. Full vouch. Number one, He'll be number one on the NFL top 100 list next year. He was devalued to 10. It was the worst thing that ever happened, except Matt Jones being listed number 85. Uh, Josh Allen, number one, 2023 NFL list. We'll never get hurt. We'll never be stopped. How's that? You have to play in weather. Do you know that? <laughs> well, let's go to let's go to um, Matt in Framingham and Josh Marin for the WCVB eye opener. I want to throw it one last time back to uh, Mike on Route One. Uh, I, sorry, you have a tweet I, I was, you want to read? I was I was looking at that Odyssey tweet and then I saw a Bob Ryan tweet <laughs> pop up and it just it really 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 tickled me. Uh, this is what Bob tweeted. I can't believe what I'm hearing at a bar in the financial district in NYC. Shipping up to Boston. Why, why does he sound like this? I don't know. <laughs> What's next? New York, New York at Fenway? We need that laugh track. Where's that laugh track? Goddamn I, check. I, <laughs> <laughs> Put the laugh track into that. I think it in I, there. I really think, Shaq, do you think, Shaq? I really think if we put our collective mind to this, we can absolutely get Bobbert 
on Entitled yes, Town. 100%. Absolutely. He used, to, he used to like my old account. And we, 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 have, we have, yeah, I think we, I'll get, we can get, we can get, we have some ways to get to him. Yeah, we, we have some, we have some contacts. Go ahead, John. I, I want Bootleg Barnacle to get Upton on a, on a podcast. Oh. I mean, oh. you know, oh. I, I think that is very achievable. Upton oh, is too busy throwing fire tweets out 18 hours a day. I mean, don't, he's, don't he's, tip he's... their toupees. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we just had our mic drop moment. John is at that John Irons. Scartelli is the purveyor of the sports drunk draw. He is at Pat Scartell. Uh, professional podcaster Media Mike is at In This Town One. Dan is at Patriots Daily. My name is Mike Irons. Um, I beseech you to put your radios in the off and upright position. And we'll see you next week. Uh, by the way, it's going to be a weekly thing moving forward. Weekly thing plus. And uh, again, keep those radios in the off and upright positions. <laughs>